0: Case discusses the topics of murder and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. Police department! Police department! He looked like he was trying to save his wife. He was doing CPR. You know, it was an emotional situation. He just looked very distraught. He said... My wife killed herself. We were just told that she was dead, that she had hung herself. Families want answers, especially in cases where there's suicide. My job right out of the gate was to help investigate what happened. The noose around her neck, I paid particular attention to that and just how loose it was. Could that extension cord have held Amy? Could that extension cord have hung her? I just had this gut feeling that something is off. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 116. Today I'll be talking about the case of Amy Allen. Amy was a loving and young mother of two. My sources for today's episode are oxygen.com, lenconnect.com, wxyz.com, and mlive.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. This case takes place in Tecumseh, Michigan. On the night of September 14, 2018, Amy and her husband, Jimmy Allen, started the night off by going to a bar to have a few drinks. Amy happened to glance at her phone, which was seen on surveillance cameras. The Allens had moved to Michigan from Ocala, Florida a year earlier. Jimmy had gotten a new job handling video production at an audio accessories company, and Amy was a stay-at-home mom. Their neighbors described them as very nice. Amy was more shy, and Jimmy was very outgoing. Jimmy was also into working out and wanted Amy to get into running, rock climbing, rollerblading, and other physical activities with him, and they would often run together. On September 14th at 8.50 p.m., Jimmy called 911. He told the dispatcher that his wife was down in the basement trying to kill herself. Jimmy said she had a noose around her neck, and he was attempting to get it off her and give her CPR. The police walked into the house and described it as eerily quiet. Once the police entered, Jimmy can be heard on the body cam footage calling for help. He was performing CPR on his wife. Jimmy claimed that Amy had been downstairs for about 20 minutes. At 8.57 p.m., the EMTs arrived. Jimmy was very hysterical. Jimmy could be seen on the body cam footage, slamming his fist into a table, causing a bowl of chips to spill onto the floor. Jimmy told the police that he and Amy were irritated at each other. He said they had been at the bar, and Amy ended up walking home. He said the next thing he knew, she was in the basement. Jimmy said Amy didn't have a history of mental illness or suicide attempts. Jimmy and Amy's 15-year-old daughter had been at a high school football game. Jimmy called her and explained that there had been an emergency. Jimmy also called his parents and could be heard wailing. Jimmy's dad called Amy's parents and told them that Amy was dead. However, at the time, Amy wasn't dead but on life support after she had been rushed to the hospital in Ann Arbor. Amy's family, her parents, and her sister Heather raced to the hospital in Ann Arbor from Ocala, Florida. Three days after being taken to the hospital, Amy was taken off life support. The police returned to the Allen home and searched through it. Jimmy said they had a normal day and were happy. At 7.30 a.m., Amy sent their daughter to school, and Jimmy had already left for work. As Jimmy described, September 14, 2018, was a normal day. At 11.44 a.m., Amy was communicating with a friend. At 12.30 p.m., Jimmy returned home from work and took a nap. At 1 p.m., Amy was communicating again with her friend. At 2.45 p.m., school ended, and Amy picked their daughter and a friend up. At 6.30 p.m., Jimmy and Amy dropped their daughter, Ashley, and a friend off at the high school football game. Around 7 p.m., Amy and Jimmy went to Junior's, a local bar. The bartender remembered that Amy and Jimmy weren't in the best mood. Jimmy told the police that they had been arguing over selling their house in Michigan and moving. Amy didn't seem to be into it. And Jimmy claimed that she made some kind of statement along the lines of, I hope that works out for you. Jimmy said they were annoyed with each other when they left. Amy walked home and Jimmy got into his truck. At 7.51 p.m., Amy could be seen on surveillance footage walking away from the bar. Jimmy said around 8 p.m., he looked for something to watch on TV and ended up watching a Jim Carrey movie. Amy went to the basement. Jimmy said he went to the basement to check on her, but Amy got upset with him. At 8.15 p.m., Jimmy went back upstairs. At 8.40 p.m., Jimmy had realized that he had to pick up his daughter from the football game, and that's when he noticed Amy hanging when he went to the basement to get her. Jimmy said that Amy's feet were off the ground, and he said he was able to grab the extension cord, lift Amy up, and bring her to the ground. He said he saw an overturned pail of kitty litter. Jimmy said he wasn't sure why Amy did it. He said they had a healthy lifestyle, and she had never shown signs of emotional or mental health issues. He said they didn't have money issues, and they had a good relationship. Jimmy's parents sat with Amy and Jimmy's daughter Ashley while the police interviewed her. Her grandparents were with her at the time. She said her parents weren't fighting when she left for school, and they didn't really argue much. Amy and Ashley had always been close. Amy's parents knew that Amy wouldn't have made dinner, taken her daughter to a football game, and committed suicide, knowing that she would have had to pick up her daughter later. Amy's parents were very angry at Jimmy. It took Jimmy 14 hours for them to be notified of Amy's condition, and they were told that she was just dead and not on life support. Amy's parents visited the police before they were going to return to Florida. They wanted to share their thoughts with them, and they shared their doubts that Amy had killed herself. The police were also doubting the suicide story. They mentioned that Jimmy was emotional, but instead of crying, it was more yelling and moaning. There were also no tears. Amy and Jimmy's neighbors were also confused by Jimmy's behavior. He had gone over to their house after Amy had died, and they also didn't see any tears. A few days later, Jimmy and Ashley left the state and returned to Ocala, Florida. Jimmy and Amy had met in Ocala, Amy had grown up with two sisters named Heather and Amanda. In her teenage years, Amy started to act differently. Heather read Amy's diary, and Amy had gotten pregnant at 13 years old. She was in eighth grade when she gave birth to a son named Caleb. Amy did her best to be a young mom. Her parents supported her and helped her out when they could. Amy and Jimmy started dating in high school and went to prom together. Jimmy accepted Amy as a teenage mom and accepted Caleb. Amy became pregnant again at 19. She and Jimmy got married and had their daughter, Ashley. Amy had always been a stay-at-home mom, but now Amy's parents say that Jimmy hadn't wanted Amy to get a job. Jimmy often got what he wanted, and Caleb even said Jimmy had small rules for him to follow, such as asking before he ate anything. Caleb moved out at 17 and in with his grandparents. Amy's parents said that Jimmy told her she couldn't speak to them anymore. Caleb's graduation a year before Amy died was one of the last times her family saw her alive. Jimmy completely isolated Amy and was constantly tracking her location. Amy's phone and computer records revealed that she was speaking to a man named George, who she had met online. The relationship had been going on for about three years, and they had met in person a few times. George was also married and living on the East Coast. Amy's parents learned that Amy was speaking to another man, and they were shocked. Amy and George had been communicating on the last day of her life. On September 14th at 1144 a.m., Amy sent George a good morning text. At 5.07 p.m., George told Amy that he wished he could be with her and kiss her. Amy told him that she was excited to see him again. Amy had been seen on surveillance footage from the bar checking her phone. She was looking at a text from George while Jimmy was sitting right next to her. One month after Amy died, Jimmy spoke to the police again in Michigan when he returned to pick up some items. Jimmy was changing his story. He first said that Amy was happy and and showed no signs that she'd want to end her life. Now, he said that she had issues and struggled with social anxiety. Jimmy revealed that he had cheated on Amy in the past. And Jimmy was asked if he thought Amy had ever cheated on him, and he said no because she was introverted. The police asked Jimmy... What about his knowledge was of Amy's affair? He said he didn't think she was having one. Jimmy told the police that he thought they were bullshitting him after he was shown pages of messages between Amy and George. It seemed like the affair motive was out the window. Jimmy did take a polygraph test and it came back as inconclusive. The police were also wondering how Jimmy had no defensive wounds on his body if he had killed Amy. The police looked through their body cam footage from September 14th. Jimmy had one point, at one point laid down in the corner of the room and was wailing. His emotions were able to turn on and off really quickly, and there were also no tears. At 9.08pm, an EMT had announced that Amy still had a pulse, and Jimmy's response was quote, what in the fucking hell, end quote. Jimmy also had been telling the police that Amy was hanging from the ceiling, but the ceiling in the basement was very low. There was no evidence that Jimmy had killed Amy, but the police were leaning towards that theory. The extension cord used was examined and tested. The tests showed that the cord would have stretched and that Amy's feet would have hit the basement floor if it was actually used. A forensic pathologist looked at the case too and ruled that Amy's case was most likely a homicide from asphyxiation. Not too long after Amy died, Jimmy had moved on with his life. He was engaged to a new woman and living in Ocala. Five days before his wedding, he was arrested for murder. On September 9, 2021, Jimmy went on trial. There was no real motive as to why he'd kill Amy. Amy's parents believed that Amy had stood up to Jimmy that night and insulted him. Jimmy's lawyer claimed that Jimmy only would have had 52 minutes to kill Amy, from the time they arrived home to the time they would have left to pick up their daughter. He said that Jimmy had been searching Jim Carrey movies and TV shows to watch. Jimmy's dad testified that Jimmy had been a wreck in the days after Amy died. Ashley testified on her dad's behalf. Jimmy had said there were no signs of trouble, but Ashley was saying that there were signs of trouble when her mom was drinking in the days before she died. She said her mom drank heavily and frequently, which caused her to be violent and mean. The body cam footage was shown to the jury. First responders and neighbors testified about how Jimmy's behavior was over the top. One of the officers, BJ Horn, testified that he didn't see any injuries to Amy's neck. A nurse also testified that he didn't see any injuries. There there was evidence that Jimmy had put her into a chokehold. Amy's boyfriend, George, testified. He wrote that they talked about their lives and some of their conversations were, in fact, sexual in nature. On September 14th, George had told Amy that he loved her and wanted more of her. They also planned to meet in person again. Jimmy was found guilty of second-degree murder. Amy's family was relieved and knew that Jimmy would be found guilty. Jimmy was sentenced to 20 to 45 years in prison. I truly don't think Amy killed herself. It's likely that Jimmy did kill her, but there's not really a lot of evidence. I think Jimmy had several different motives to kill her. He may have seen her text messages to George while she checked her phone while they were out drinking. Amy said she wasn't going to move again and stood up to Jimmy. Jimmy isolated Amy, and it's clear he had a lot of control over his daughter, too. Ashley may have seen Amy drink and her parents fight, but I think Amy and Ashley are the true victims in this and not Jimmy. My book recommendation for this week is The Busy Body by Kemper Donovan. I tell other people's stories for a living. I nip and tuck their excesses, soften their hard edges, polish whatever and a armada of editors and publicists deem unslightly till it sparkles. It's a dream assignment. Former Senator Dorothy Gibson, aka that woman, is the most talked-about person in the country right now, though largely for the wrong reasons. As an independent candidate for President of the United States, Dorothy split the vote and is being blamed for the shocking result. After her very public defeat, she's retreated to her home in rural Maine, inviting her ghostwriter to join her. Her collaborator is impressed by Dorothy's worth at work ethic and steel trap mind. Not to mention the stunning surroundings, and one particularly gorgeous bodyguard. But when a neighbor dies under suspicious circumstances, Dorothy is determined to find the killer in their midst. And when Dorothy Gibson asks if you want to team up for a top secret, possibly dangerous murder investigation, the only answer is, of course. A controversial woman looks into a murder investigation when her neighbor dies. She loves to get to the bottom of things, especially when it comes to focusing closely on someone's life. I like the main character, Dorothy. I can see why she's well liked and not so well liked. At the same time, Dorothy is someone to root for. I give this book an eight out of ten. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram at it's crime o'clock somewhere blog pod, Twitter at it's crime o'clock, email me, buy me a coffee, and please leave me a five star rating and review if you're enjoying this podcast. I'll be back next week with an all new case and book recommendation, and remember it's crime o'clock somewhere.